Hi, I'm Kristen Yorka, and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast, where we hope to de democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices with today's leading practitioners. Today, we have Ash Yuzuita. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> and we're going to talk about pleasure magic or sex magic. Uh, so welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, when we share a mutual acquaintance, um, Christina Rosso Schneider, um, and when she wrote me, she's like, I know just the person for this talk, because I wanted to talk about sex magic or pleasure activism. And she mentioned you and I and she described you as the heathen witch, Ash, and I was like, what does that mean? And so of course, <laughs> I was like, sounds great. <laughs> what is that? So I would like to know from you, how would you describe a heathen witch? Yeah, sure. So I am a heathen. So I follow the Norse, Germanic, and Nordic gods in my ritual or spiritual practice. Um, so that is where I took the term heathen from. Um, and at the same time, I'm also a witch. I think that you can be a witch who follows uh, gods or and deities. You can also, of course, be a witch that doesn't. So I add both explanations. So that way folks kind of know where I'm centering myself uh, in the world of spirit-based practices and, and nature-based magical practices. Very cool. Did you choose the North tradition, Norse traditions because you have some ancestral line or connection to it? Yes and no. I definitely don't think that you need ancestral lines to Nordic gods. Um, that is actually a hot topic and a debate within the community. Right. Um, I don't think that it is remotely necessary. It's not a closed practice. Um, however, I kind of fell literally actually speaking of sex and pleasure magic is because the goddess that I found that most resonated with me early on following Persephone, um, was Freya or Freya, um, who mm -hmm. is a goddess of sex and death and that duality and juxtaposition was something that I just thought was so amazing. And I got completely swept up in her energy and working with her. And from the experiences that I had with her, I ended up practicing and working with more of the Nordic gods as well. Very interesting. So you said you started with Persephone? Started with Persephone um, in the Greek pantheon. So many young, you know, I was 11 or 12 years old okay. and reading the myths and I just couldn't help but fall in love with that story and her I actually will frequently refer to her as like an iron queen like this idea of being able to take something difficult and then mm -hmm. still kind of put on the best presentation and and your best self forward I think that's something that I love that Persephone's myth encap like encapsulates mm -hmm. um, I think the building into working with Goya, she always just had so much of an energy to the point one of my favorite myths about her is in order to get her uh, necklace or belt debated, um, mm -hmm. she went and had sex with a bunch of dwarves and <laughs> she wanted a thing. So she did what she needed to do to get it. And I know, of course, people will get into, oh, well, in the myth, it said this, or in this translation, it said that, but I taking it for face value, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that she is a woman that is so empowered and also had refused Odin saying, no, I'm not gonna marry the guy you want me to marry, I refuse. 
and that's pretty cool like as a deity um so I just fell so deeply in love with her I love that so it seems like she's a deity with her own sense of agency which we don't often find in yeah absolutely very cool and you mentioned sex and death with which in many myths and cultures go hand in hand the French say le petit mort which is a small yes. death, which is the euphemism for orgasm. Orgasm, yeah. <laughs> so there is that sense of insect, there's also the death, and in, in death there can also be a sense of ecstasy or escape, right? Yeah. Um, so I'd like to talk about how we get, um, so Freya, obviously there's, she's having sex with love, so there's, there's sex in the story. Yeah. But how does she lead you into the practice of uh, pleasure magic? Yeah, yeah. So I think when I was young, I struggled like so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am non-binary, but as a kind of femme of center person, in some ways, I really grew up with this idea of I was really interested in sex. I was interested in intimacy, exploring myself, exploring others. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a queer person. So I was also trying to figure out what that meant um, all when I was 11, 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of um, shame or guilt placed upon me, which was very interesting because I didn't come out of the gate with that. I didn't grow up in a community that necessarily shamed sex and sexuality. I was fortunate enough to have a parent that when I said, hey, I need birth control at a pretty young age. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it was, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're here. <laughs> we're it was, okay, we're here. I guess mm-hmm. that's what this means. So let's make sure that you're being safe because if I told you no, what's that going to do? And I loved that I grew up with a really strong woman, my mom, who realized that, okay, there's no, not a reason to shame you. If you're being smart, you're being honest. You came to Mm -hmm. me though with trepidation. I kind of went, (laughs) you know, around like, do I need to tell my mom? And eventually, you know, it came like, yes, you need to talk to mom in order to be smart about the decisions Mm -hmm. you're making. But that connection to sex and pleasure for so long was something I was seeking because it, one, in a base level, it just felt good. Mm -hmm. And two, in my experience, I used pleasure and sex to sometimes heal parts of myself, sometimes open wounds that probably could have been left closed. And as I've gotten older and looked back on my experiences, 15, 16 years of being sexually active and and intimate, not necessarily Mm -hmm. only you know, sex for what we might define it as. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized how deeply intimate it was to my personhood. Um, mm-hmm. And it is something that I've carried with me where I have friends that will laugh and they'll say, you know, oh, well, I was, I was flirting with this person and we talked about these things. Like, do you think it means anything? And I've had <laughs> friends tell me, you talk about everybody. Like you talk to everybody about those things. I don't know if that's a sign or if that's just how you get to know people on a human level, not on a sexual or, I mean, it is an intimate level, but not on a sexual level. I just love when folks will open up about that because it's something that is important to me. And I think it's important to a lot of us. 
And because of the shame around it, because of the mm-hmm. guilt around it, because of the, I shouldn't want this, or I shouldn't mm-hmm. like this, or is this weird, or is this too much? Mm-hmm. Which so often, I mean, everyone feels, but I do think that women specifically or femme of center folks have that placed upon them in a much harsher way that you end up not having those deep, rich conversations because people feel the need to box themselves off. In terms of magic, I feel like it's really important to explore and open that up. I think it's beautiful that people open themselves up to you in that way um, because that doesn't happen for everyone, I don't think. I, I personally have had to try to have those conversations with close, you know, femme friends and it's completely shut down. It's like, which could make you feel a little ashamed if you're not comfortable in yeah. your own space, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And and that's something that I've experienced with an ebb and a flow, even in my last, say, decade of life where I came from a place where I was just unabashed. I was leading sex education workshops, even though I had no formal training and background. I just knew it because I did it. So I led workshops about it. And then there was a time when I started to feel that shame. And I would ask like, Hey, is it okay if I like bring something up to you? Which the past me would have just been like, Oh, we're talking about this. This happened to me. What's your, what's your situation? And it's interesting because right now I'm in this really amazing, like, I'm so grateful for it. I've told many, many folks like my thirties, I'm 31, um, Mm -hmm. have been this really beautiful awakening for me to realize that I started to put shame upon myself. And I've done a lot of work recently to unpack that and, and take what I need to be polite you do not always need to talk about these things. People need a warning. Some folks aren't comfortable for their own trauma and for their own magic. And their guardedness is not a negative thing. Their guardedness is who they are. And that's okay. obviously something I'm always going to want to honor and operate with that understanding. Um, but I want to take that and not take the stuff where it's like, oh, should I bring that up? Because that might be considered crass. Like, I'm a pretty fast person, so I'm going to actually just own that and hopefully (laughs) with it. And honestly, I think a lot of folks like to have that person that they've said, you know, I've gotten the text like, hey, is this weird? My partner just said this thing. Can you help me unpack that? And it's like, yeah, give me a call. Let's talk. And I love that. No, I love that too. I think it also, when we speak of identity, there's also the roles we play. Like I sometimes find it challenging talking about sex because I'm a mom, I'm mm-hmm. a teacher. And then I'm always like playing with that line. Like, what am I able to say in public without people being like criticizing or demonizing what I'm doing? Oh yeah. my God. I, that resonates with me so much. And, <laughs> and I think with that ebb and flow that I just spoke of I've been teaching in an elementary school setting for a decade so it really lines up to oh now that I've stepped into this role ooh, can I be both can I hold space for both facets of myself because they're not separate mm-hmm. but also there's time and place I've also a silly story but definitely something that impacted me was when I started teaching, I went to a munch, so a kink event that was not sexual. It was a hangout event, a non-sexual kink event. And I ran into parents and I was like, well, guess I'm leaving and never coming again. And that was the nail in that coffin. And I can laugh about it now, but at the time I was like, 
oh my gosh, I can't operate. Like if I'm going to go to an event now, I need to drive an hour away to make sure I'm not in the district (laughs) because I don't want anything negative to come back to me because decency laws in the education sector are real. So you can be fired for holding a red cup in your Facebook post. I'm certain they could fire you for going to a sexual event because we have a pretty repressed society when it comes to sex and what people are supposed to do. Again, particularly femme presenting people, a single femme teacher should not be going alone to an event like that, quote, quote, Mm -hmm. quote, all of that. Um, So it is something that I completely, when you're sharing about identity and role, resonates so very much with me. And that just reminds me of my own story because I find it so interesting that we are unable to talk about sex, even though obviously if I have a child, I've had sex, right? (laughs) That's part of my identity. Yes. Um, (laughs) That's how we get children. Um, But then when, especially when a femme presenting person goes and speaks to, I have this interesting story and I don't know if it connects, but it just brought it up. Um, I was speaking to a principal of a Catholic school that I'm teaching in. And I'm presenting contracts because I'm a contractor in these schools. And he goes on and on about his wife's flexibility, alluding to, you know, how flexible yeah. she can be at other times. And I'm just sitting there like, what am I listening to? Like, why is this okay? Huh? <laughs> well, how do I, how do I how say do you navigate that? How do you navigate it? <laughs> you're it's a stuck point and and it's stuck for so many reasons and and also peculiar for so many reasons Mm -hmm. specifically around who gets to share that and power and privilege to be completely frank there's a a male principle sharing something like that is very different than you a mother a somebody coming from the outside as a contractor Mm -hmm. sharing that right so interesting. Also, good for you navigating that because I have no idea what I would do. I, I'm sure it was all over my face, like what? But he didn't notice, so he continued to share this fantastic story about his wife, and eventually we got back to contracts. But it just it blows my mind how we as a society have to play into these roles, right? The other thing that I was thinking of as I prepared for this interview was, you know, television and our culture, movies tell us a lot about Mm -hmm. how we, how we think about sex and how we think about intimacy. And I've always been blown away by the fact that children can watch like very violent video games and violent movies, but we are not allowed to show a boob, God forbid. Yes. You know? (laughs) It is, there is a distinction about what our culture deems as appropriate. I even think of in television, um, I grew up watching anime and I definitely grew up watching anime where there was nudity because in Japanese culture, from my limited understanding, those taboos are not as strong in that regard and nudity can be seen as a joke that kids laugh at. Mm -hmm. And so that, because there's public bathhouses and public onsen. And so you're going to see a naked body. If you're going to spend time with your family, it's not immediately sexualized. Things are gendered in, in that regard, in some places, not all. And so 
there's that difference, but it's so interesting when those cartoons were then translated to their English or Western counterparts, what would be censored? What would be cut? Episodes of Pokemon were canceled or cut out because there was crass or like big boobs or jokes about nudity. And that was something that is so, you know, it's as a, as a culture, I understand where we're coming culturally from, but then looking at it large and in like a global perspective, why fear sex? And, and honestly, going back to Freya, death, they are two things that people fear so deeply, but are literally the bread and butter of life. Like, it's the reason people do more. anything. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they are the norms. They are the constant. And obviously there are folks who don't have sex and don't engage in sex and sexuality. Ace folks are awesome and rad and part of this beautiful world that we have in terms of diversity and difference. There's still procreation happening. Right all across the the spectrum and intimacy happening across all of all of the spectrums and so this idea that we can't talk about it is very at odds with honestly advertising and the things that we put on tv to sell stuff anyway if it can't be capitalized on and commercialized on it's shameful that's an excellent point capitalized on and then it's shameful because I always think back to when my child was very small and breastfeeding in public was like this big, no, no, at least where I lived, right? But then of course, folks were posting pictures like, oh, you can't breastfeed in this area, but there's a giant Victoria's Secret model with her boobs out on yes. <laughs> display. <laughs> Absolutely. No, completely true. And and it is a, it's something that I would love for more folks to explore and think about because it is pleasure in general, and and this goes into the pleasure activism piece and sex magic Mm -hmm. and pleasure magic, we are in a society where self-pleasure and pleasure among people or pleasure among Mm -hmm. groups or pleasure with ourselves is seen in this really peculiar way where I do, I mean, I have like grand ideas on why this is in terms of Mm -hmm needing to be unhappy in order to sell products and needing to capitalize on wanting to work all the time and caring more about work than pleasure. And something that I feel very fiercely about is this idea of pleasure activism and the fact that joy is really important. It's key. And even in activist circles, which I run in a few, I care deeply about there is a feeling of if you're not suffering and living in and leaning into the suffering that it is like, you're not doing enough. And I think that there needs to be a balance. Like we need to be happy people because that's what makes our lives worth living and feeling pleasure and ecstasy and joy and, you you know, eating amazing food and getting laid. Those are things worth fighting for. Those are reasons why we want to keep fighting and pushing through because everybody deserves to be able to do that. And until we live in a society that provides that access to everyone, then there's something to continue to strive to be better with. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Agreed. Um, I want to go back to the idea of pleasure and then capitalism 
I'm sure this, there's thesis is written, <laughs> on this. but I wanted to focus mainly on the idea. At least when I was younger, I thought pleasure was a very specific thing. And it was like getting wasted, going to concerts, having sex. Like it, it was because that's what you saw. And that's what the adults in my, in my world said pleasure was. Yeah. And it's not. And so it's very hard to navigate, to try to figure out for yourself, what is pleasure for me? Because it's so yeah different for everyone. Absolutely. And, and I think that that actually, it, that resonates so strongly with me. And I think that's something that is important for folks who are interested in practicing pleasure-based practices or pleasure-based magic. Um, I know that you had mentioned uh, talking about basically like something folks could do at mm -hmm. home. One of the things that, and it sounds so simple, I realize it sounds so simple, but a great introduction to sex magic, pleasure magic, intimate magic. One is centering the self, which for so many people, there's so much held in our bodies that it is hard to even grant ourselves permission to think about that question that you just asked, which is what is pleasurable for me? And pleasure can be I'm going to masturbate and think of these images or watch this video or engage in this, mm -hmm. you know, act. It can also be, I'm going to make myself the best freak fracking pasta that I've ever <laughs> made. And I'm going to use all of the things that I like. And you know what? My friend doesn't normally like it when I make it this way, but I do. So mm -hmm. I'm making it my way for me. And I'm going to, you know, mindfully, truly mindfully eat. Mm -hmm. a really amazing meal, or I'm going to have a seven hour conversation with a friend because when I talk to them, it's just going and going and going and going and going, or mm -hmm. I like reading and I like writing poetry. I want to be by myself. I'm going to light my candle. I'm going to light the, the scent that I like the most. Maybe I'll, you know, buy something special or you don't need to buy anything. Mm -hmm. I want to make something. I want to just give like, put a little dab of perfume that I like on or nothing at all. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be by myself in silence because that's what brings me pleasure. I yeah. think one of the things that folks can do is sit with those thoughts. So before you even engage in that act, mm -hmm. actually sit down and journal and free write if that's what you're into or dance, like throw a music you like and dance or lay in bed and don't just kind of think to yourself what it is that you really love to do and feel kind of what comes up for you. Because when you do that, you'll start to unstick some of that tension that isn't letting us actually engage in pleasure for us, especially again, going back to femme bodies and women of center folks, femme of center folks. A lot of times pleasure is what the other person wants. Mm -hmm. And that is how we are taught, trained culturally, directly. I mean, there are some interesting folks out there who will say directly, oh, it's your job to yeah. make sure that your pleasure, like I've on many occasions have had people say to me, oh, I literally have never thought about what I wanted because my partner wants X, Y, and Z, and it's my job to do what they want. And I'm like, I mean, ooh, yes, I'm here for it. I'm here for you making your partner happy, but also reciprocity. Also, you're a person. Also, your pleasure. What? 
but that's a big step. Even admitting like I Mm -hmm. deserve to feel good. That's a big challenge for a lot of folks, understandably, because they're taught, we are taught that our pleasure doesn't matter, that our joy doesn't matter. Yeah. It's kind of like being an advocate for yourself. Yeah. Right. Cause, and that is such a hard piece. I I've recently during the pandemic um, started laying out a picnic blanket outside my neighbor's think it's hilarious and I'll dress up. Like I'm in a dress and I'll have like my coffee and my fruits on the blanket, <laughs> like a romance novel. And I've had like neighbors drive by and be like, I love it. I wish I was you. I'm like, you can be. Yes, yes, that is amazing. That that is amazing. There have been so many times truly where it is, it is dressing up. I speak often of glamour magic in in sex and pleasure-based magic because it's such a, like you already have the clothing. You already, if you are a person who wears makeup, you already have the makeup. If you're a person who wears lingerie, you already own the lingerie because you have it. You don't need to get more. But to give yourself that little bit of charge, whether you, I don't buy anything special for it. I have incense at my house because I like the way they smell. I'll grab a rose candle or a rose incense and I will kind of smoke cleanse whatever it is that I want to put on that day. And I give myself the extra five minutes, doesn't take longer than that, but it really does feel different to intentionally lean into things that make me feel good. I could absolutely just throw on my clothes and head out the door. Well, not head out the door because it's pandemic, but throw on my clothes and sit on my couch. But there's something to be said about taking the extra five minutes and giving yourself that intention of like, no, I'm doing this because this is going to make me feel good. Or I'm doing this because I have an important interview today, or I have an important conversation today, or I'm going to meet with somebody important at work. And I'm going to give myself a little bit of that glamour magic and really boost my confidence through a five to 10 minute low effort. Even if you don't have incense, I'm big with, you can use water, sprinkle a dab of water, put a crystal, charge your clothing with a crystal, whatever it is you have at home, you can find a way as somebody who works with deities. When I have absolutely nothing, I will just straight up call out and ask Freya or Friga for their support. And that is what I am thinking of when I'm donning my clothing or putting on makeup or doing like braiding my hair, whatever it is, just giving yourself that little bit of time to really lean into it. So would, would you describe glamour magic as like ritualizing this like self-love in terms of getting dressed up and making yourself feel as beautiful as you can feel? Absolutely. And I think that glamour magic can be used for so many things. So it is like in in fairy tales and myths, this idea of being able to put on a glamour is to be able to put on an illusion. And I think that to bring that into our 2021 perspective, it is donning clothing or perfumes. I have a million perfumes. I have been fortunate enough to make some of my own perfumes, buy really amazing perfumes, And depending what they're made with, that is what I'm using. So there's one that is specifically all about illusion um, because it's connected to Saturn and Neptune. And I love using that when I want that extra, like, yeah, I want to really feel like 
I love myself and I love the way I look, but I want to heighten this. Like I want other people to notice me. I have jewelry that is, you know, the sign of Neptune or a Kitsune mask because they are trickster, changesters, abilities. So when I am thinking about my non-binary identity and the way that I am being perceived, I take that extra time to don those small little pieces that help me feel grounded in, you know what, this is what I'm doing today. And this is how I'm going to present. And this is going to help me choose my outfits. This is going to help me with my posture, the way that I kind of carry my body, because I'm thinking through all of this before I step out the door and or go sit on the couch, as we've mentioned. <laughs> but that's so important that you said because of how I want to be seen. I think a lot of people have trouble even admitting that they want to be seen a certain way, especially after a certain age, at least in my Cuban American culture. I think after, you know, 30, you're pretty much, you should be like inside in your, what they call about the casa, like your house dress and that's it, you know, yeah. so you shouldn't even be thinking of how you're going to be seen because you're beyond the time where anybody should find you attractive or sexual or, you know. It's absolutely true and it is and thank you for pointing that out and sharing your perspective with your culture because I think that's something that is aging is seen I mean and again we talk about feminism all day right there's a gender dynamic to it there is a gender <laughs> dynamic and it's interesting to think about and I'm I'm 31 and it is like I've thought back like oh man I wish I did this in my 20s and when I have that thought I self-interrupt and I'm like no I didn't. I'm having it now. Right. My life is great. It is great right. that I am able to recognize this now. I didn't recognize it when I was 22, 23. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm still cute. I love myself and I'm not going to lament on who mm -hmm. I was because I loved who I was, but also that person was still growing just like I'm still growing now. I'm sure when I'm 40, I'm going to look back and go, Man, wish I had X, Y, or Z, that wisdom. I mean, we gain wisdom as we age. So I'm not going to be, oh, a crone maiden and mother all at the same time when I, you grow into those, you grow into those with experience. Yes. And your sexuality changes. It's funny that you said like back when I was 20, I wish I had done this because I had a friend just the day before yesterday, we were watching a Korean pop band and the girls, you know, were half dressed and the whole thing. She's like, I wish I would have been more naked. And I'm thinking you could be more naked now. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you want to be more now. naked, be more naked now. <laughs> and that's something that folks deserve to do. And it's seen as such a taboo. Mm -hmm. I also often think about whether it is age or ability. So often folks in mm -hmm like like non-able-bodied communities will mm -hmm. be seen in a way that they don't see themselves. And, and those are things that I hope to, while I don't have that experience, I mm -hmm. hope to push myself to think differently about who gets to be sexual, who gets mm -hmm. to be seen as attractive or wanted or yearned for. And mm -hmm. if you want that, great. And if you 100% don't want that, awesome. But knowing that you can be, and that so many folks are just kind of cut away, I often have had conversations where my a family member of mine was uh, has sex and is older, and that was like a big conversation. Like, oh, I can't believe we found out about that. I'm like, 
I only can hope that I have all of my joints in place because I ain't going to be stopping when I'm 60. Y'all confused if you think that I'm just going to be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You, you no longer value me as a human. Let me peace out. No, we still are going to want to seek pleasure if that's, you know, what our bodies are yearning for, for some folks. No, that shift absolutely happens and it ebbs and it flows over time, not related to age necessarily. So if you're listening to your body and you're being, if you're honoring yourself and really doing that work to think through it, you really can't steer yourself wrong. Though, Mm -hmm. of course, that's a deep conversation to have with the self. And I feel like reflection is so often important because of course there are folks, I absolutely am guilty of engaging in high risk practices which were not probably my wisest decisions as I've named. I'm happier now than I've ever been and have leaned into joy, but for a while I wasn't. I was not as healthy as I could have been and I needed to really work with myself and work with others to kind of come to an understanding of, yes, this, Mm -hmm. maybe this, still got to think about that one. No, no, we're not going to do that anymore. That was a little... Okay, that's off the table permanently. Great. Hope we don't go back. And that's okay. And for different people, those things are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it takes a lot of, well, self-reflection and self-forgiveness. I've definitely gone down that road, you know, now in my late 30s. I I think about a lot of like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but it was an experience and now I know what I don't want. At least I'm, I'm not an older person that's like, damn, I wish I would have tried those things. You know, I tried them. They weren't for me. I'm going to let them go. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's such an important perspective to add to this conversation. Yeah, for sure. So I think your, your idea about writing down and journaling what you really want, I think that's also part of it. We also know what we don't want and that's a good place to start. I think for me, when I first started kind of leaning into joy around like late twenties, I was like, well, I know, I don't know what I want. But I definitely know what I don't want, you know. Yeah. And that turned into like I kind of like became hermetic for a while, like to dig through like what exactly it was that I wanted. Because for so long I was just taking in the culture, taking in parenting, and it becomes kind of an unlearning. It's like, okay, well, all these things don't really really make me feel joy. I'm doing them because I think they should make me feel joy, but actually they make me feel like crap. So Absolutely. No, it's so true. And I think too, this idea of unlearning, unpacking, um, I have said you need to really, in in talking about sex magic, un-F yourself. Like you need to un-F yourself to get to understanding what it is you want because we grow up with so many mixed messages. And then also when our desires change, that can feel really scary. I 100% have leaned into this experience where my initial, I wouldn't say initial, but when I started to really actively practice sex magic on a regular basis, there were different practices that I was very into that really spoke to me at the time and were very valuable. And I had incredibly high sensation experiences and feelings and it grounded me and some of these things were significantly higher risk um Mm -hmm. 
if I can kind of be really clear, like knives and blood and, and very impactful kink, which not opposed to, but Mm -hmm. it became such a norm that I needed to really break. Like, actually, you know what? Yes. Occasionally. Yeah. But this is not actually hitting the way it used to, because I'm starting to numb. And if your magic is numbing, that is not what I was like. I was going for joy and ecstasy and like, you know, reverberating sensations in every single little morsel of my being. And instead things were shutting down or shutting off. And Mm -hmm. I really needed to take a quick, like, whoa, is this, was this always a problem? No. Mm -hmm. Did this become a problem? Yes. So what needs to happen? And it, it, was nothing more or bad or wrong or good or anything, then my taste changed. And that felt very weird to me because for a while I was like, am I, am I myself anymore? Like this is, this was kind of how I identified. Like I did this thing. I was in this community. This is how I practiced my religion. And now I don't want to do that anymore. Am I bad at my religion? Like I genuinely had a, a little crisis on who am I? And it took a bit for me to realize like, no, that's hmm. sex for in a lot of ways is still your religion. Right. You're okay. <laughs> but your tastes and your interests shift and mm-hmm. that is normal and, and roll with it. Like kind of like this, you know, you will be okay if you listen to yourself and, and un F yourself, like undo <laughs> what it is that's going on. Um, and, and so that was something that was so key for me when I Mm. learned that pleasure magic wasn't, and isn't just, oh, I know that I like masturbating in this way. And I like using this specific toy and I like calling this specific. No, if, if you do that one day and it's like not working for you, (laughs) turn the lights on, blow out (laughs) the candle and go to town on yourself in the way that your brain is like, we really want this thing. Can you... Can right. you undo the, the palace center is not working, <laughs> not working for us. Can you do isn't something it funny that we do that? Isn't it funny? Cause I, that we ritualize things to the point that it almost becomes superstitious. Like I even do that with meditation. I'm like, no, I need to get up and do this thing. And then my whole day will be perfect. If I just do this thing, everything is going to be great. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely <laughs> true. And, and it's not, we are habitual creatures. <laughs> it is important to practice really questioning what it is and like listening to ourselves and listening like intuitively, which is a big, again, we don't live in a society that teaches that or I'm a school teacher and I would love if we taught more of those types of things in schools. We, Mm. we don't really, um, we don't build a lot of self-trust and self-acknowledgement and self-advocacy, no shade to teachers. I'm here standing on the front line with everybody. Like I, we do that in small ways, but there's not a consistent push to build our understanding of self deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we've gone around the idea of sex magic, but I would really like to like zero in. If you could like describe a, a practice, like maybe really quickly start to finish of how it would work. Yeah, sure. So one thing that uh, I would, and this is also something folks can try at home, um, Mm -hmm. is one kind of introductory ritual 
that folks mm -hmm. could try. Um, I call it like kind of an invitation. Uh, it's a spell to heighten joy um, and even start your sex magic practice or pleasure-based magic. Um, mm -hmm. Some tools that I use would be kind of any candle that's an aphrodisiac. So that could be vanilla, cinnamon, spices. If you just have a candle that you think smells good and feels sexy to you, use that one. You don't need to go out and find, you know, brand new things. Um, a piece of paper, a red pen, if you have it, a regular pen is fine too. Um, some kind of lubricant, if that is something that you need, rose quartz or granite, that's optional if you just kind of want to set the stage and any other offerings that you think will be really loving. So you could buy yourself flowers, you can have honey, you can anything that would make you feel good if you want to basically romance yourself. Mm -hmm. So the way that the ritual would go is you would invite the elements in. So when I do sex magic, I often will kind of make the elements based on the work that I'm doing. So I think of fire as passion, air as play, water is that excitement and that wetness in my mm. body, sweat, all of those things. Mm. Earth being that body center or that odor that you feel is incredibly, for me, incredibly grounding. Mm. I find it incredibly sexy. Um, and then spirit is that uh, sexual connection. So mm. before actually doing the ritual, I would light my candles, I place my crystals, my flowers, any other offerings that I have. If I have a honey or a chocolate or some edible, I like to have it near me. So when I feel drawn to or called to imbibe in that, mm -hmm. then it's there. And that is laid out. And then in a red pen, um, you can write down your desires, what you want to open up, what you want to deepen. So one thing that you might write is something like, I ask my body and spirits around me to guide myself deeper into loving me simple, clear intention of what I want. This could be, if you are more into, like you've done this before, this could be, I want to grow money the way that I'm about to grow my orgasm. Those are <laughs> definitely things that you can write and you can play around with this idea. Um, and then I would set the paper underneath me kind of face down. So your, your skin's touching the paper. But you're not necessarily getting ink on you just because like nobody wants ink on them. Um, and then you masturbate. You bring yourself to your pleasure center. That might be an orgasm. That might not be an orgasm. What you're looking to do is get a little bit of that heavy petting, get your sweat, get yourself on that paper. And then overnight when you're done and you finish, cool, right? If you feel drawn to like put the crystal like on your heart center while you're playing with yourself, do it. If you feel called to stop and get some water, do it. If you feel called to start eating that honey or licking it off of your fingers, do it. See what comes up for you. Mm -hmm. And then after you are done, again, could be orgasm, could be multiple orgasms, could just be, okay, I'm feeling calm. I'm feeling called to stop. And that's great too. That paper can then stay under your pillow overnight. And what I like to do then is if I have any dreams that come up for me or anything deeper that comes out of, okay, so I now have everything I thought about when I was playing. I have everything that I thought about when I was dreaming in my subconscious space after this. Then you can, in the morning, 
burn the paper, write a journal entry and see what came up for you and use that as a lens to do some interpretation or deepen the work that you want to do. So that's kind of a, a pretty quick, it can be literally cost-free um, yeah. sex magic ritual that I suggest to anybody who really wants to get into it for the first time. Um, I also have that written down if it's helpful. I don't mm -hmm. know if you have like notes or whatever I can send it to you so you can oh, share yeah, that'd be great. yeah I'll put it in the show notes that'd be awesome yeah because that I hadn't heard about that one. I mean I haven't heard of many sex magic practices but that that seems fun and easy yeah I mean like I, I feel like sometimes these rituals are so involved I'm like oh before I even start I was like I don't even want to do it <laughs> absolutely yes yeah, I've been there. I've I've been, you know, halfway through the setup. I'm like, do we must we? Must we? Like I'm good. The the it has come and went. Right. Um, especially because with sex and pleasure magic, the whole point of it is to feel good. So if it's not feeling good to you, or if you set up and you get to the like, I'm actually now sitting down, time for the heavy petting, and you're like, nope, something just came in my head that made me sad or made me mad or I'm hungry. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You can go back to it another time. There's no pressure to do X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. to make it be something big. You can do large, elaborate sex magic rituals. I've done shabari and kink work with sigils. Mm -hmm. I've done the most. I've mm -hmm. done the least. I really personally prefer the least unless I have a partner that is interested in exploring that then like yeah let's talk because then it's like a personal like oh this is this is pleasure that we're growing together not that you need a partner to do any of this but if it's me I am the type of person that's like no I'd rather I'd rather chill I'd rather not do the most. I'll do the most if I have a partner or partners or whatever is going on. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I'm a lazy witch. I'm like lighting a candle. like from Absolutely. <laughs> That's why when I was like, get a vanilla candle. I use vanilla on purpose. Y'all can go to the local corner store. You can pick up a vanilla candle. I am not saying you need to buy some. I have beautiful, amazing candles mm -hmm. that were very, very nice and made by witches and are absolutely peak the best you also don't need to do that to have a good time you don't even need a candle maybe you live in a building where you can't light candles you don't need to I think it's so important that you said that because so much of like finding joy and pleasure is the ability to give yourself permission to do yeah. whatever f you want to do <laughs> absolutely <laughs> So we're almost out of time and I would love for you to share because you have an amazing sex magic workshop coming up. I'd love yeah. for you to share about that. Yeah. So on Friday, I have a sex magic workshop coming up. Um, it's an introduction to sex magic. I'm getting the details now. It's at seven o'clock on February 19th. And if you go to a novel idea, Philly slash classes, that is where you can register. It's sliding scale. So if folks have more funds, great. And if not, awesome. It's like a 25 to $35 sliding scale. And we're going to go into a bit of what we talked about, a little more of a deep dive on a little bit of history. And I'm providing four different spells that folks can do. So if folks are interested in more direct, like, hey, how do I do this? Um, I'll be providing spells as well as, of course, my contact. So 
if folks have questions afterward, I would love for them to join us and and ask me any questions that come up for them because this is something that's so important to me. It is like the thing that I love to do the most. So I kind of want to spread that joy if folks want that joy. That's brilliant. I thank you for doing the work you do in the world because I do think it's so needed and it is a form of activism. I mean, if we're ever going to break out of this, whatever this is and find some joy in life, then I think it's absolutely essential. So I'm also going to put all your information about the workshop in the show notes and share that as well. Thank so you. Go to the workshop and also get a hold of you any way they, they'd like to. Um, otherwise, thank you so much. I loved our talk. I, I can't wait to speak to you again in the future. Yeah, it'd be great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Have a nice day. You Bye. too.